tonight, the last Saturday before Christmas, and it appears shoppers have been paying attention. Plus, I feel okay as long as everybody wears masks. How to get riders back onto public transit, but will we need to? And I didn't really know him except for just coming to get a hot dog and, you know, uh, his great customer service. A hot dog vendor donates one of his kidneys to a customer. Wait until you hear why. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. Outbreaks have been declared at two more facilities in the Lower Mainland and one on Vancouver Island as we continue to struggle to stop the spread of COVID-19. Fraser Health has declared an outbreak at Nicola Lodge in Port Coquitlam after three residents of the long-term care home tested positive. An outbreak has also been declared at Fleetwood Villa, an assisted living facility in Surrey, where two residents have tested positive. And Island Health says there's an outbreak at the gardens at Qualicum Beach Long-Term Care Home, a staff member there testing positive. A COVID outbreak at a long-term care home in Oliver has grown. Three residents at McKinney Place have now died from the virus. An outbreak was announced 12 days ago when eight residents tested positive. That number has now grown to 56, most of them residents. Susan Brown, the CEO of Interior Health, says this has been a challenging outbreak for everyone who lives at McKinney and their loved ones and their staff and physicians who are committed to their care. Overnight, someone posted a banner thanking healthcare workers at the facility for their efforts. This is the Saturday before Christmas, and normally stores are packed with holiday shoppers getting ready for the big day. But like everything else about this year, that too has changed somewhat. As Nadia Stewart reports, it appears even Christmas shoppers have adapted to our new world. On West Broadway, the locals are lining up, getting in their last-minute holiday shopping close to home. BIA websites are featuring um, local merchants where you can shop online, but shop online locally. West Broadway BIA Executive Director Michelle Burrell says whether online or in-store, every dollar counts this Christmas. Mom-and-pop shops are accommodating shoppers, making the space safe, offering curbside pickup where possible. Even our business areas um, are partnering together as well with Gift Big, Shop Small, Open with Care. But the long lineups are not so much of an indication of demand, but rather safety, as COVID protocols mean there are limits on how many people can be inside. It'll be a few weeks before we know how local retailers truly fared. People are talking about buying local more than I've ever heard it in my career. And I think that will translate into some... Uh, interest and action in people where they're paying where they're spending money they're going to be more thoughtful about it in crunching the numbers national retail analyst david ian gray says this saturday typically the busiest shopping day before christmas will still be busy overall though a bit slower compared to years past he says the loss of sales seen earlier this year has since rebounded but christmas sales will still be different the season typically involves uh store shopping for sure with very big spikes in traffic but because there's a pandemic going on and a people are just not enjoying the shopping experience right now store traffic is generally down gray also says many shoppers got their holiday buying done early as per the advice of canada post there is hope the new year will bring better news for local retailers as they work hard to get through 
an unprecedented holiday season. Nadia Stork, Global News. What's it going to take to get more people to use public transit again? A University of Alberta researcher is trying to answer that question while studying low ridership across Metro Vancouver right now. Kristen Robinson has more on the question and the others the pandemic is raising. Fewer commuters are flooding the station during the pandemic, but regular riders are standing by public transit. I'm feeling good. I don't have any problem with it. I feel okay. As long as everybody wears masks, I'm fine with that. University of Alberta researchers collaborating with TransLink to find out how public perceptions around safety and crowding are changing and what it will take to get people back on board. So we're trying to understand how COVID has changed people's uh, willingness to share a transit vehicle with other people. In 2019, TransLink was smashing ridership records. More than 41 million boardings in October alone. Fast forward to COVID times, just 16.5 million boardings were recorded in September 2020. Retaining ridership and getting people back on transit is, is so imperative to the future um, ridership levels. The team wants Metro Vancouver's take on policies that TransLink and employers could adopt to win over riders, including altering routes and changing work schedules to allow off-peak commutes. Service is a big predictor of ridership. So if revenues are falling and so service levels have to be cut, we can expect then to see declines in ridership. With crowded scenes like this and scattered disputes over the mask mandate, some want to see social distancing enforced. Maybe put some sort of restrictions on how many people actually getting onto the SkyTrain. Online input is open until Christmas Eve with a second survey wave to launch next winter. Uh, believe me, if I jump into a SkyTrain that's so crowded, I'll be the most happy. <laughs> it feels weird when people are closed, but I'm sure we'll get back to normal in no time. <laughs> Kristen Robinson, Global News. There's growing concern in north-central B.C. that hundreds of Albertans have been making their way to the Robson Valley to sled and ski do during the pandemic. The region around McBride has made a name for itself as a backcountry getaway for snowmobilers in the winter. A McBride resident tells our sister station, CKPG News, that last week there were hundreds of Albertans in the area doing just that, despite the advisories against non-essential travel. But many businesses rely on snowmobiling and shutting out snowmobilers completely could mean a devastating hit to their bottom line. It's certainly been a struggle trying to balance an economy, a local economy, and keeping in mind the well-being of your citizens as well. I mean, the, the health of your residents are, are number one priority. We've raised the issue, uh, particularly not just in this border community. We, we need to recognize that border communities all up and down the Alberta-BC border are facing similar concerns. Uh, so the, the government is well aware of, of the, uh, the challenges that my constituents are facing. McBride RCMP officers say they have not issued any fines for breaching provincial health orders. The village of McBride didn't comment. 
Two Williams Lake men are facing the largest fines ever handed out in B.C. Provincial Court after snowmobiling in a protected area last year. 33-year-old Bryce David Bailiff and 32-year-old Brent Gabriel Bailiff have been fined $9,050. The B.C. Conservation Service says the pair was caught snowmobiling in a closed area near Quinell Lake in March of last year and tried to evade officers. Bryce was fined more than $5,000 for obstructing a conservation officer and failing to stop. Brent was fined $4,000. Snowmobiling is illegal, in illegal areas can displace the endangered mountain caribou population from its winter habitat. RCMP are investigating a serious crash on the Burnaby New West border today. Officers closed off a section of 10th Street between 2nd and 5th Avenues this afternoon after a pedestrian was struck. Police say the pedestrian was rushed to hospital in serious condition. The driver remained at the scene and is cooperating with the investigation. An Okanagan man learned his fate this week. Silas Paul pleaded guilty in connection with a devastating crash near Vasso Lake in 2017, one that left several people injured, including one woman who was paralyzed. Global's Jamie Tawil has more on Paul's apology. Paul will serve nine months behind bars for his role in the crash three years ago, not to mention a year of probation and a three-year driving ban. That sentence handed down in B.C. Supreme Court in Penticton Friday. The now 22-year-old pleaded guilty to dangerous driving causing bodily harm. According to witnesses, Paul was driving erratically on Highway 97 the morning of July 21, 2017, weaving between lanes and driving at a high speed before rounding a sharp corner near Vasso Lake into the oncoming lane and crashing into a truck carrying four occupants. One of those occupants, Lori Ham, was left a quadriplegic. The court heard heartbreaking victim impact statements from the victims Friday as well as the Ham children. Paul, whose blood alcohol level was twice the legal limit that morning, told the court he'd been drinking the night before the crash. He was headed north to Penticton to mourn the loss of his cousin who had just committed suicide. In a statement, Paul said, quote, I did a thoughtless act that did a great deal of harm to these other people. I am sincerely, sincerely sorry for all this damage I've caused to these victims. In addition to the nine-month jail sentence, Paul will also have to pay reparations of $150 a month for one year to Ham and watch a day-in-the-life video created by her family, a video that will give him but a mere glimpse into the pain his actions caused that day. Jamie Tawil, Global News, Kelowna. Heavily armed police officers converged on a neighborhood in Richmond this morning. The 12,000 block of Canby Road was close to traffic for most of the morning as members of a tactical unit carried out an undisclosed operation. At one point, a woman was seen being taken into custody. A short time ago, police said they were executing search warrants at that location and two others in Metro Vancouver in connection with a fraud investigation. Five people have been arrested. A stolen vehicle, two stolen scooters and items associated with the production of fraudulent identification cards and credit cards were recovered. Vancouver police now confirm an attack at a Japanese restaurant across the street from B.C. Supreme Court Friday afternoon was gang-related. The VPD says two men in their late 20s, one white, the other South Asian, were taken to hospital. It's unclear how serious their injuries are. Police say they do not expect to release any more information. Security has been ramped up outside VPD headquarters. Earlier this week, 22 concrete bollards were installed at the front of the building on Canby Street. Vancouver police say the barriers have been in the works for more than a year as safety upgrades, but the department has not received any direct threats. 
Over the last decade, vehicles ra vehicle ramming incidents have occurred around the world, including the deadly Toronto van attack in April of 2018. The city of Vancouver says safety bullards are not in place at any other civic properties. A Canadian frigate has returned to Esquimalt, ending a nearly five-month deployment marred by tragedy. A ceremony was held on board HMCS Winnipeg for 47-year-old master sailor Dwayne Earl, who disappeared after somehow going overboard on Monday just off San Francisco. An extensive search failed to turn up any trace of him. The 30-year Navy veteran was the father of two young boys and a teenage stepdaughter. All I can say at this moment is that Dwayne is the love I never thought I would find after so much heartache. He's my best friend and my adventure buddy, even if he has to be the adventure for both of us. We were on our way to a wonderful life full of dreams, including plans to sail the world. Generosity at this time of year isn't unusual, but the gift one man gave and another received goes beyond the spirit of the season. A hot dog vendor in Abbotsford donated a kidney to one of his customers, a man he didn't know. Paul Johnson picks up the story. In the parking lot at the Canadian Tire in Abbotsford, Tim Hiscock rolled up to one of his usual haunts. He gets a round of applause on account of being ambulatory today. 2020 has been a tough year. Yeah, there we go. Tim just got a kidney transplant after a sudden loss of kidney function this year. So I got sick really fast, and believe me, you feel it. Suddenly finding himself in need of a kidney, who would have ever thought he'd locate one here at the hot dog stand? Didn't know his name until June of last year. Scully White is the proprietor, and had really only known Tim from selling him hot dogs and pop in the odd bag of chips. But somehow, their connection grew into what may be the world's best customer loyalty program. So I called him up right away and I said, hey, let's get this thing rolling. Scully, it turns out, is a man of his word with a straightforward explanation about why it felt right to give a kidney to Tim. So if you've got two healthy kidneys, give one up, save somebody. So what better way to celebrate an incredible act of kindness than to have a piece of kidney-shaped cake with a bunch of Scully's other regulars. I can't thank him enough. Tim faded after a bit and looks forward to resting up in his recovery. He's thinking about returning to his work as a contractor, but right now, pretty blown away by this connection at a hot dog stand that changed two lives. In Abbotsford, Paul Johnson, Global News. Amazing. It will be a brighter holiday for 700 families in Metro Vancouver thanks to a Christmas hamper drive from the City Reach Care Society. The drive-through contactless event has been dubbed Boxes of Love. 200 volunteer drivers have come together to make the event possible to get these parcels to the doorsteps of families in need. The toys, food and gift cards are even more important this year with so many people negatively impacted by the pandemic. 
We normally have a big event here where we have hundreds of people coming to pick up their, their box of love, their Christmas hamper. But this year, uh, because of the pandemic and, and the way we have to operate, we're doing a whole new drive-through system, a delivery system. So it's been totally different for us. But uh, the families are just so appreciative. Uh, this is their Christmas. And, and the kids getting these gifts, sometimes in a lot of these situations, this is the only gift they're going to get this, this year. Now the Caesars Sea-to-Sky gondola is marking a rebuild milestone three months after its cables were sabotaged for the second time in just over a year. The gondola says its new haul rope is ready and en route to Squamish from the factory in Switzerland. And the steel cable was deliberately cut in September, causing dozens of cars to crash to the ground. The gondola was cut down for the first time in August of last year. And no one was hurt in either incident, and a $250,000 reward is being offered for anyone who provides information leading to the arrest and conviction of those responsible. A new faster spreading strain of COVID-19 means Christmas is effectively canceled in parts of Britain. The new variant was first reported earlier this week. It's common for viruses to mutate. It is not considered deadlier, but it is 70% more transmissible. The strain has been linked to 62% of new COVID-19 cases. And the concern now is that it could become resistant to vaccines. Restrictions are being tightened in hotspots across Canada. Today, this country surpassed half a million cases of COVID-19 since the pandemic began. Alberta, Ontario and Quebec have the most active cases in the country, according to yesterday's tally. Ontario Premier Doug Ford is holding two days of emergency meetings as infections mount in that province. But as Morgan Campbell reports, despite the appeal to stay home, many are heading out to fulfill their holiday needs. With the lockdown looming and Christmas just days away, many flock to Lime Ridge Mall in Hamilton, about an hour west of Toronto. It's busy, a lot, a lot of line. Some stores are asking, like, do you know what you want to buy right away um, instead of like letting shoppers browse the stores? There will be no more browsing come Monday as Hamilton locks down, joining Toronto, Peel, Windsor, Essex and York Region. Nearly all non-essential businesses will be forced to close, including much of the retail sector, restaurants and personal care services. This closure of business is uh, going to be helpful, but it is not the only measure that people have to adhere to. It, it has a lot to do with the social interactions that we're seeing in our community. Hamilton has seen a 40% increase in daily COVID case counts as Toronto and Peel region continue to report triple digit numbers on a daily basis. The Ford government has indicated that more lockdown measures and restrictions will likely be announced come Monday. Medical professionals have said that this would be the most ideal time to implement lockdown measures across all of southern Ontario. Due to the fact that many take holidays, school is on a break and many sectors ramp down production. This is actually a very reasonable point in the year. People spend time at home, spend time with their kids. Um, and so, you know, you, all you have to do is, you know, be a bit more aggressive during this time. It's not going to be horribly inconvenient. My fear is that people who get infected over the holidays may not have a hospital bed in January when they need it. Earlier this week, the Ontario Hospital Association called for immediate action to curb the spread of infection as many hospitals are nearing their breaking points. Meantime, 
Ford is hosting an emergency meeting with hospital leaders throughout the weekend to discuss next steps. Morgan Campbell, Global News. In Calgary, a man was arrested after some 40 people gathered at an outdoor rink, breaking local pandemic restrictions. As Global's Michael King reports, new video has surfaced showing the moments leading up to the arrest. For what? I just told you. For what? You're going against the health regulations in Alberta. What is it? It was that pushback from a 21-year-old man that ended up with him being taken to the ground and arrested on Thursday afternoon. The video gaining enough traction online that the Calgary police issued a statement on Saturday. Bylaw officers were called out to the Southwood Outdoor Rink after reports that more than 40 people were at the site. Not everyone heeded their warning to leave, prompting the call for police backup. Police say the man in the video allegedly tried to avoid a ticket by refusing to identify himself and not remaining with officers. After he skates away, one officer pulls out her taser, saying that she will deploy it if he doesn't comply. Why are you right Get on the Ocean! Three minutes in, he's eventually wrestled to the ground. He's now being charged with obstructing an officer, resisting arrest, and violating the Public Health Act. Those at the rink say that while they don't fully agree with why the police were called in the first place, that doesn't excuse resisting arrest. Cops know if they're they're enforced to have certain regulations or rules or whatever, then they're here to do their job and I'd listen to them. I mean, if a police officer in any situation asks you to do something, you do what he says, right? You sort it out later if you think you're being violated, human rights, whatever. But you do what he says, you get out of the situation and then you deal with it after. Calgary police say they do understand the frustrations of the restrictions, but that their job is to enforce the laws that government puts in place and that its members do their best to gain voluntary compliance. Global News did reach out to the man in the video, but he didn't reply to a request for comment. Michael King, Global News. Well, with the COVID vaccine rolling out, some people say they're hesitant to get it. When health officials needed to convince Americans to take the polio vaccine in the 1950s, they turned to the country's biggest influencer, Elvis Presley. Inside the vault at Graceland is the evidence of how Elvis helped America defeat polio. In October of 1956, Elvis got the polio vaccine backstage just before his performance on The Ed Sullivan Show. Americans watched it on TV. The target audience was teenagers and young adults who thought they weren't at risk for the deadly disease. The pictures of Elvis getting his vaccine were seen in newspapers around the country the next day. And the percentage of teenagers that actually got the polio vaccination after this promotion went from 0.6% to almost 80% in six months. Today's medical experts will need more than one rock star to help defeat COVID. The country's death toll from the virus is now close to 315,000 people. In Health Matters tonight, a new research out of McGill University says healthcare workers want to quit their jobs. Of those who responded to the survey, half of all nurses and 20% of doctors at the McGill University Health Center expressed intentions to quit. The results come as many provinces, including Alberta, grapple with the second wave of COVID-19 and healthcare systems are reporting a strain. Researchers also say the survey revealed that levels of stress, anxiety and burnout are climbing among hospital workers during the pandemic. What we found confirmed that the pandemic has made a bad situation worse. 
where there was already a great deal of stress, anxiety, and burnout being experienced before the pandemic. And uh, healthcare professionals who uh, who participated in this study, um, you know, reported an average, again, statistically significant increase. When we look at what our capacity is in the, or was in the hospital in the springtime, it was much greater than it is now. And part of that is because we have fewer staff um, because of either, I mean, certainly some related to specifically to COVID because of exposures and everything, but others just saying they're choosing not to not to work. The research also found that while hospital counseling services are available to staff, only a small percentage access them. Researchers say it's important for hospitals to reach out to healthcare professionals about the resource, but many may not have the time or the energy to use them. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. An early Christmas present for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex will explain right after Yvonne's forecast. But first. Ah, the dance of the sugar plum fairy from the Nutcracker Suite, as performed by school buses in Utah. A school district in Utah was, uh, has found a unique way to help spread some holiday cheer by linking up some of these school buses. This display electronically connected the bus lights to create this coordinated light organ show, which is fantastic. Just love it. Great idea. Yeah, why Another not? Another virtual thing to watch. Totally, yes. totally. Uh, not the rain, not so virtual. Wish, <laughs> wish it had been. Uh, yes, uh, we have been tracking some wet weather, uh, heavy at times for the day today. It's been a soggy start to the weekend, but in the long range, especially leading up towards Christmas, we have some sunshine in the mix, and I'll show you that in just a moment. Here's a quick glance at the precipitation. So heavy at times for this evening, most areas along the south coast of Metro Vancouver. We've got very windy conditions right now, sustained at 20. We've got gusts just over 30 kilometers per hour, and that's reported out of the airport. A few other spots right now at this hour, Powell River just over 50 with the gusts in areas near Comox and Tofino with with a gust just over 44 kilometers. The winds will start to ease, but it'll be late this evening. We still have some rainfall in the mix, 15 and up to 25 millimeters. And then overnight tonight, I anticipate that we'll start to see a bit of a break in between systems once again. So drier for a few spots across Metro Vancouver. And then as we get in late day tomorrow, it'll likely even be by the evening overnight into Monday. The next storm is going to move its way across the region and we'll see more snowfall, especially for higher elevations and if you're traveling along the mountain passes. A quick up Updating a reminder from uh, of Avalanche Canada. Right now we're sitting at considerable for the south coast. That's along the North Shore Mountains. Anticipate that it's going to be forecast to high as we get in towards Monday. And we're seeing many spots, so be prepared when you're heading into the backcountry. Now, uh, for the highway forecast, I did want to break it down because we still have a significant amount. Rogers Pass with up to 15 centimeters, and then an additional 5 and up to 10 centimeters will be for tomorrow. Now, the connector lesser amounts. The snow is going to pick up once again towards the afternoon with 5 for tomorrow, and the Coquihalla with the snowfall warning, 5 and up to 10 centimetres. But tomorrow, it'll be late tomorrow with that additional 10 and up to 15 centimetres. And most spots along the Allison Pass will see another round of snow, heavy at times late tomorrow evening, 10 and up to 15 centimetres. And this evening along the Paulson Summit, we do have a snowfall warning with 15 and up to 20 centimetres. Lesser amounts, but still additional snowfall amounts for tomorrow. The North Coast, we will see the showers easing off. Temperatures will be sitting at 4. Most areas across the central interior few flurries in the mix, but that'll be for the afternoon and a chance of showers. It's actually a nice dry start and many areas into the southern interior for the southeastern corners. We will be tracking some wet weather. It's higher elevations with that snow. It'll be late tomorrow evening. 
heads up along the south coast. Could be pleasant tomorrow because we have dry conditions and then that next storm is going to roll in just in time for our first day of winter officially in the morning on Monday two o'clock and then we are going to see a nice break and so far leading up to Christmas it's dry and then on Christmas day we could see a few showers and more sunlight the days start to get longer yes looking forward to it love it all right thanks so much Yvonne Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have won a legal battle with the paparazzi London photo agency Splash UK agreed not to take any photos of the couple and their son Archie in the future if the agency emerges from bankruptcy. This comes after they published photos of Meghan and Archie hiking at a park in BC last year. This morning, success for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. A London photo agency, Splash UK, agreeing in court on Friday not to take any pictures of the couple or their son Archie in the future, if it emerges from bankruptcy. This after they published casual photos of Meghan and her son Archie hiking in a park in Canada last summer, which we won't show here. Harry and Meghan's spokesperson celebrated Friday's decision in a statement. Unlawful, invasive and intrusive paparazzi behavior will not be tolerated. The couple takes these matters seriously, just as any family would. Harry and Meghan are still pressing a separate case against Splash's U.S. partners, which aren't affected by the U.K. settlement. It's been nearly a year since the Sussexes broke away from the royal family, a move that didn't sit well with the Windsors. The idea that they were suddenly stepping down as senior royals almost prompted a kind of constitutional crisis of sorts within the monarchy. The Sussexes have been remarkably open about their new lives, Meghan writing recently in the New York Times about the heartbreak of her miscarriage. But they've also celebrated their happy news, living in California. Earlier this week, the couple signed a podcasting deal with Spotify. And they're also working to produce scripted shows and documentaries for Netflix. A couple willing to be in the public eye, but only on their own terms. Well, despite some friction among the royals, People Magazine is reporting that Harry and Meghan have been exchanging gifts with the rest of the royal family. We reached out to Kensington Palace. They declined to comment, but it is clear that the royal family is going to be spending this socially distanced Christmas apart, just like the rest of us. Matt Bradley. NBC News, London. Yeah, just like the rest of us, socially distanced apart. I thought you were going to say paparazzi chasing us down. But <laughs> well, that too. A little bit of each. Colleen, for you. <laughs> I know you can't go problem. to the grocery store. You're hounded constantly. <laughs> Thank goodness for the mask. Yes, yeah. yes. Very. <laughs> what do you got coming up? Uh, well, we've got uh, kind of an update what's going on with the NHL. Such great news that they kind of came to a tentative agreement to start January 13th, but a lot of steps to go, and the, the health authorities in all the provinces are really kind of the last step for this uh, Canadian division, so I'll update you on that. And Charlie Woods, who is the 11-year-old son of Tiger Woods, really stole the show today in a uh, father-son uh, golf tournament in Orlando. We've got some great footage of that coming up as well. Oh, I can't wait for that. All right, thanks, Barry. All too often, first responders have to make split-second life-and-death decisions. Well, that was certainly the case for two police officers in Georgia trying to save a young family from an apartment fire. But that's just part of what some, including one of the officers, might call a miraculous rescue that was all caught on camera. Drop the baby! Come on! Drop the baby! Come on! Drop the baby! Body cam footage captures the intense moments Jefferson County deputies caught a baby dropped from a second-story window. Sergeant Chris Robinson was heading home after working the night shift, and Deputy Dakota Lamb was on his way to work when they got the call of a structure fire with a baby trapped inside. I immediately turned around and uh, 
uh, activated my emergency equipment and uh, went to the scene. I just so happened I was right there and I pulled up. You can see a fire on the stove as deputies searched the first floor of the smoke-filled apartment. Where's the family the was trapped upstairs. I actually tried to go upstairs and get maybe halfway up the stairwell and uh, the smoke just overwhelmed me. Their only way out, this second story window. I'll catch you, come on Chris, help me catch you. Help me catch you, Chris. The 15-year-old daughter right, jumped come first. Come we gonna catch okay. you, baby, we, we got, got you. you. Come on, you come on. Then the mother, Shaliri Boyd, dropped her baby into the arms of the deputies. Drop the baby! Drop the baby! We don't really have guidelines or procedures when it comes to somebody trapped inside the house. At that point, it's a personal matter. Just something takes over. It ain't you no more. It ain't the person that rides the streets that you see every day. It's a different person comes out when something like that happens. A person who had no idea of the connection he had with this family. The mother of two, a part-time caretaker for the elderly, cared for Deputy Lamb's grandmother long before she knew of the help he would one day give her. And I don't know how I could ever repay her for thinking, you know, for doing what she did to my grandma. I mean, she did miraculous work with her. And I reckon this is kind of God's way of helping me give, her back, give back what she gave to us. Support BC's kids with special needs through Variety's Tree of Hearts. This year, simply donate at treeofhearts.ca while sharing your inspirational message to a Variety child, which we'll post on our virtual Christmas tree. Plus, each day we'll read one lucky donor's message live on Global News Morning. Although this year's Pan-Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast will not be happening, you can still help the Lower Mainland Christmas Bureau keep spirits bright. Your toys and or cash donation can be dropped off outside of the Pan-Pacific Vancouver Hotel next to the Bellhop Desk. Global BC, celebrating 60 years of broadcasting, celebrating 60 years as BC's News. All right, Barry is here now with uh, sports. And Barry, I, I think a lot of folks are trying to figure out when and if the NHL season is going to start. Well, they're hoping in 25 days, which is not a lot of time because they got a lot of work to do mm -hmm. before then. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, even though the owners and players have come to a tentative agreement to get the new season going January 13th, there are still a lot of details to work out. And none bigger than getting all five provinces in Canada with NHL teams to endorse the plan, which would have uh, teams playing out of their home range hosting only other Canadian teams. Negotiations with the provinces continue this weekend. My feeling is the NHL and its players are so motivated to follow these health protocols, they have the means to make it safe for the well-being of the country. Let them play. The NHL, I think, is the least of your worries. Uh, it's not easy to upstage Tiger Woods unless you're his 11-year-old son, Charlie. It happened today at the PNC Challenge, which is a team competition featuring touring pros and a family member. So many eyes on young Charlie. And like his dad, Charlie seems to thrive in the spotlight as he put on a spectacular display of golf. Tiger and Charlie in their Nike wear, of course, walking in unison down the fairway. And third hole, second shot, the par five. Charlie... 180 yards out, plays the draw around the trees, and this happens. An incredible shot as he bounces it onto the green, settles about three feet away for eagle. Yeah, Charlie's happy about that. They took his drive as well there, so then he will finish the job with his first ever eagle. He is uh, playing the forward tees that juniors would play, but the kid carrying his dad at this point. Tiger loves it. Charlie wasn't done yet at 16. This is a six iron. What a great swing. This is uh, going to be good 
Hits that one to two feet. Another birdie. Team Woods post 10 under par, tied for sixth. Matt Kuchar and his son lead at minus 14. But how about that performance by Charlie on national TV? And his dad was pretty darn proud. Well, first and foremost, I'm dad. And, but there is that, that competitive spirit that that uh, Charlie and I both share. And we... We, we, we want to win, um, but also being competitive and um, being with each other and then lean on one another. Uh, it was it was an absolute blast. All right, third round of the season ending CME Group Tour Championship on the LPGA Tour. Big move on moving day for Canada's Brooke Henderson, 13th hole. Her approach is real good. Spins it to within three feet. She would make that birdie putt. Brooke gets it to seven under, and then at 15, Brooke for another birdie. Her putter is always the difference. She hits the ball so well, putted well today. Seven birdies on the day, 666 tied for the low round of the day, went from 16th to a tie for fourth at nine under. Still some ground to make up on Say Young Kim. Birdie here at 13, she leads at minus 13, one up on fellow South Korean Jin Young Ko. Henderson is four back. The Seahawks are in Washington tomorrow to take on the NFC East leaders. It could very well be a first-round playoff matchup as well, which seems appetizing for Seahawks fans. If Seattle wins their division, they would likely take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the first round. Chanel has all the answers to the tough questions in the red zone. something wacky happening over the next three weeks the Seahawks are headed to the playoffs for the third straight season now next week a showdown with the Rams for the division title which looms large but the Hawks can't get ahead of themselves just yet as they head out east Sunday to face the hottest team in the NFC the Washington Football Club Washington has won four straight and have done it with the third-worst offense, averaging just 315 total yards a game. Alex Smith, who has taken over as a starter, was injured last week. Now, no matter who starts at quarterback, the offense needs to find a way to generate points as the Seattle defense has transformed in a big way over the last month. Speaking of defenses, it's the reason Washington has been rolling. 12 sacks have created eight turnovers, and the D has scored three touchdowns in that span. And last week, Washington recorded four sacks and held San Fran to just four of 15 on third down conversions. Seattle put up a season best 40 points, but it was against the New York Jets. Now, Russell Wilson's four touchdowns led a balanced offense as a run game racked up 174 yards. They have run for at least 100 yards in nine games and are 7-2 and two when hitting the century mark. But Washington does have a strong run defense, ranking 10th in the NFL, and have surrendered an average of just 65 yards during their current winning streak. The swagger of the defense seems to be back. After just 12 sacks in the first 12 games, the Hawks have 24 in the last six and are allowing an average of less than 15 points over the last four games, the fourth fewest in that span. Now, no matter who is at quarterback, expect Seattle's pass rush to put pressure as Washington gives up an average of three sacks every week. 
The Hawks are a four-point road favorite, but are 0-4 against the spread in their last four games away from Lumen Field. And here's an interesting betting note when it comes to the Washington Football Club. Its last three losses, all decided by three points or less. All right, some Saturday action from the NFL. Josh Allen and the Bills with a chance to clinch the AFC East for the first time since 1995, taking on the Broncos in Denver. Allen's been fantastic all year, uses his legs. Six foot five, 240. No one wants to touch that guy when he's got some steam. A 24-yard touchdown, 14-0 Bills. Later second, now 14-7. Allen showing off that arm, throws a bullet. 22 yards to Jake Kumaro, 21-7 Bills. Third quarter, Allen looking to pass on first and goal. Nothing there. Pulls it down. Runs it in for his second touchdown of the game. Bills win their first division title in a quarter century. 48-19 the final. Buffalo a sparkling 11-3. Packers and Panthers also playing tonight. 21-3 Green Bay at the half. Bundesliga, Alfonso Davies and Bayern Munich taking on first place Leverkusen, a battle of one and two. Bayern was down a goal late first half, but then Thomas Muller Perfect service to Robert Lewandowski, all alone, unmarked, and it's 1-1. Stayed that way until the final moments of stoppage time. Costly turnover by Leverkusen, and who's there but Lewandowski again smashing it to the top of the net. And in dramatic fashion, Bayern Munich moved to the top, 2-1 over Leverkusen. English Premiership, Liverpool taking on Crystal Palace and the defending champs. Finally went off as Mo Salah scored twice as Liverpool punished Palace 7-0. Liverpool up to 31 points. First place in the EPL. Meanwhile, Everton with a chance to move into second, taking on Arsenal. Tied 1-1 late first half. Corner kick, perfectly executed. Yerry Mina heads it in and Everton win 2-1. They move into second past Spurs. But Tottenham play tomorrow and they can reclaim second with a victory. And that is sports. Colleen, back to you. Thanks so much, Barry. BC Ferries has committed to funding the restoration of a piece of Canadiana on the Sunshine Coast. The Persephone, also known as the John Henry, is the wooden vessel made famous by the long-running TV series The Beachcombers. For nearly 20 years, she roamed the waters of Howe Sound in the CBC show. Since 2007, the 55-year-old boat has been a popular attraction in the town of Gibson's at the Five Corners intersection near Molly's Reach. But along with a makeover, the Persephone needs a new home, as the lot where she sits is slated for development. Fortunately, the BC Ferries boss is a fan. They sailed into my living room when I was a boy growing up in Newfoundland, uh, in St. John's at the age of 11. And I remember watching my very first episode of the Beachcombers. And I still remember it. I don't know how accurate my recollection is after all these years, but I have the clearest vision in my head of, of the scenes of that opening show. And, uh, and we watched it for years as a family. Oh, you gotta love that. The goal is to have the Persephone restored completely by 2022 to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the Beachcombers debut. Do you remember the Beachcombers, Barry? I, don't, I do. Yvonne, I'm sure out. one of Relic's old beanie toques are probably on, on there somewhere. But yeah. I, I used to watch that. A fair oh, amount. yeah. Yeah, it was great. Well, it was so 
Canadian. It was unapologetically BC. Yeah, that for sure. That was it. That was uh, always Sunday night, I think, right? Sunday at 7, yeah. maybe after Disney. It's, I think a, so. yeah. <laughs> it's a, a theme song that I will never forget. That is the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Sarah McDonald is here at 11 o'clock. Stay with us now for the new reality. Have a good night.